Bibles, grab them for a minute, and um, most of us don't need to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. We know what it says. Let's just quote it together. In everything, you know, I thought for the longest time that meant in most things, but it says in everything. Does it say for everything? It says in the midst of everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you have commanded us in the Word of God to be thankful. And Lord, we see what happened to those in the Bible who were not. And we pray, Lord, help us to remember in the year to come to give thanks, to think to thank, to practice thanks living, not just a one day a year thanksgiving but to live in thanks living. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say thank you. You know, it's, uh, it's not easy. I tell you, I think that's a tall order, that in everything we're to give thanks. How many of you in here can say, oh, I mastered that a long time ago? In everything, giving thanks. Woo, I, you better not raise your hand. Because I know nobody does it in everything. It's a powerful command. What a command to give thanks in everything. But you know, something tells me the Apostle Paul practiced it. I call Paul the attitude king. Because Paul also wrote, not only in everything give thanks, but rejoice evermore. And he wrote these things from a dingy, depressing, oppressive Middle Eastern, first century pit that they called prison. The Fort Worth jail would make their prisons look like a retreat center. And yet, Paul said, in everything, in everything, now if you just stop and think about the uh, ramifications of that, that is an amazing commandment. In everything, give thanks. I do think it's important to point out that he didn't say for everything, You can't give thanks for a failure or a satanic attack or a communication breakdown with somebody or the demise of a marriage or whatever. You can't thank God for that, but he's not telling us to. He's saying, thank God in that. In other words, the important thing is that we keep the boat afloat. The boat of our spirit, the boat of our attitude We need to keep that boat afloat. And the only way you're going to do it is by the words of your mouth. And he says, a thankful tongue, a a mouth that says, thank you, thank you, thank you in it. Lord, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to thank you in it. I don't get it, but I'm going to thank you in it. I'm bleeding, but I thank you in it. I'm hurting, but I thank you in it. I am not going to let my spirits sink along with the circumstances. Because as goes a thankful tongue, so goes your attitude. And I guarantee you, folks, it is a truism that attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. I was reading once in Romans 1, and I ran across one of the verses where Paul is talking about the downward spiral. It was really a death spiral of the children of Israel and how, though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. And when it says in 
in verse uh, 21 of Romans 1, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful. Now, if I'd been writing this, I would not have felt that to say something about their lack of thankfulness was that big a deal. I would not have focused on that particular deficit in their character. That would not be one of the things I would have honed in on. But because you you think, well, okay, well, yeah, okay, so they weren't thankful. Big deal. But you know what, folks? There's something behind this Thanksgiving stuff. And there's something behind truly walking in thanks-living. Because I look at Paul and I see that no matter where you put him, no matter what the circumstances did, no matter what hellacious place he found himself in for doing nothing but right, his, his spirit always stayed afloat. He still wrote like he was writing from the Taj Mahal. How did he do it? He was thankful. In everything, give thanks. But then I look at these people, and the opposite is true. Instead of giving thanks in everything, they gave thanks for no thing. They gave thanks for nothing. And now watch what happened to them. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. Now look what followed. But they became futile in their thoughts. You know what that means? Your thoughts lead nowhere. Your thoughts are totally non-productive. Your thoughts become darkened. It's, it's the picture of somebody just walking around in endless circles. It's like you're driving a car around a cul-de-sac over and over and over again. It's futile. It's going nowhere. Their, their thoughts became futile, and this on the heels of not being thankful. To Paul, this was a big deal. This was, this was significant. This was a landmark in their decline. And then it says, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So can we safely say, if you're not thankful, your heart is being foolish? Because that's what it says about them. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And then it talks about a terrible and a tragic moral decline. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And you see this, you see first, it's almost like when you see dark clouds on the horizon, you say a, a storm is coming. Those are the, that is the foreshadowing of a storm. When you see, according to Paul, when you see a heart that is not at all thankful, it's like the, it it, it portends a storm. It's the foreshadowing of worse things to come in that person. You know, for years I went to the juvenile home and ministered to those kids, and I was one of them once. And there's one thing I noticed about these kids. Every single solitary time, unless they got saved, They were never, ever thankful about anything. Everything was everybody else's fault but theirs. You never, ever heard them do anything but complain, murmur, and gripe. 
And their attitude sank with, the, with, with those words. And, and you watch somebody get saved and the Spirit of God start working on them and they get some of the Word in their mind and they start becoming thankful. And if you don't, the Holy Spirit will get on to you. Has he ever gotten on to any of you? How many of you have ever murmured and complained, right, walked out of the house, kind of mad, and the Holy Ghost was on to you before you got to your car? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. It says about these people in the, in, the, in the wilderness that we've been talking about the last three Sundays. And by the way, what am I talking about this Sunday? Good. Courage. All right. I think I've about got it down. Courage. Because I know it's going over the air. So I'm going to be sure I'm doing it right. Now, it says they sinned even more. Talking about these same people that he was nailing there in Romans 1. They sinned even more against him in the wilderness by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. And they tested God in their heart. They griped and complained about the manna and the water out of the rock. They demanded quail. They demanded the food of their fancy instead of receiving what God had given them, which was just plain old manna. It says, they began to mock God. Can God prepare a table for us in the wilderness? In other words, it was a rhetorical question. No, God's not doing anything for us but giving us this stupid manna and this water. And they griped and complained and griped and complained. And finally God said, you want quail? I'll give you quail. And boy, I'll tell you, that's a bad moment in our relationship with God when you've been griping and complaining and demanding to have something he didn't want you to have. Finally, he says, you want it? Okay, all right. Here and quail started falling out of the sky. They thought they had stepped into heaven. It says, but while it was in their mouth, they started dropping dead. And what was God saying? Thank God I'm not living in the Old Testament. Wouldn't be nobody in church. But what was God saying? I don't bless a complaining tongue. I bless a thankful tongue. Amen. I'm only sharing these things not to get real heavy two days before Thanksgiving, uh, but I, I'm just trying to show us that thanks living is very, very different, where every day we learn to give thanks, every day. And as I've so often said, and I've done this so many times myself, if you can't look around and see anything else to be thankful for, just start thanking God that you're saved. Just start thanking God that once you were lost, but now you're found. Once you were blind, but now you see. Once you were dead, now you're alive. You've been raised from the spiritual dead. You're heaven-bound and not hell-bound. You ought to be able to start right there and thank God. Amen? I've been doing a lot of thinking about our country and where I think our country is heading and I am so thankful that our country was based on God. As we speak, Russia is dying. Uh, Russia is in a death spiral. You look at the communist nations that have built their, their whole uh, livelihood on no God, on communism or socialism. They always die. America is so unusual because America placed its faith in God. It was founded in God. And I, it breaks my heart that our schools are practicing historical revisionism to the level that they are. 
Because I'm telling you, America, even in the early colonies, New York and Philadelphia, uh, the northeastern states, those early colonies were baptized in revival by the Wesley brothers, John and Charles, the founders of the Methodist Church, and George Whitfield, one of the greatest preachers in the history of the world. They, 30,000 people would turn out in Philadelphia, would flood the fields and, and hang from trees and, and get up in the branches and get anywhere they could to hear this man talk about Jesus. So don't let anybody tell you differently. I'm going to read to you the Thanksgiving proclamation George Washington proclaimed in 1789, the first president of the United States, and he deeply loved the Lord. The Lord. And you know what? We ought to be able to say that and not worry about being persecuted for it. Now, here it is, quote, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor, and whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th of November, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was and is or ever will be. Hallelujah. I could preach this thing. That we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation. For the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence, which we experienced in the tranquility, union, and plenty, which we have since enjoyed. For the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted, for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed, and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general, for all the great and various favors which he has been pleased to confer upon us. And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions. To enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually. To render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, discreetly, or discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially those who have shown kindness to us, and to bless them with good government, peace, and concord 
to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue and the increase of science among them and us and generally to grant to all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. Given under my hand at the city of New York, the third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1789, George Washington. <clears throat> Amen. Steve, if you can kind of make, make your way on up, please. And you know, when I read that, I think, wow, here was the President of the United States saying we need to ask God to forgive us for our national sins. The President of the United States saying we need his guidance. The President saying we want to bless all nations, particularly those that have been good to us, and share with them what God has given to us. It touches me. That's the kind of man that established this nation. And so we've got a tremendous, tremendous legacy. Amen? So what we're going to do right now is I really do believe, uh, I love, for instance, on New Year's Eve, I love to be in prayer and ask God, what are you saying for the new year? And I think in any holiday, it's good to start that holiday by glorifying God. And so we want to have communion tonight. Guys, if you'll just go ahead and begin. We're going to pass out the elements. Guys and gals, thank you. And let's prepare our hearts to partake of the Lord's Supper. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that you have blessed America so greatly, so profoundly, and so many have not been able to understand why. But when we read these words and the character and the faith of those who established this country, it is not a mystery. They gave this land to you. And they looked to you for blessing and guidance. And Lord, we want to do whatever we can to perpetuate that legacy and that blessing. Our nation, Lord, has deeply and profoundly sinned. And we ask you to forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for the black crime of abortion. Forgive us, Lord, for the rampant pornography, the immorality. Forgive us, Lord God, for turning our back on you in so many ways with so many of our laws. Forgive us. Let's stand together, can we? And Lord, we ask you right now to search our hearts and show us if there be any wicked way in us. If there's anything we need to repent of, Lord, may the Spirit of God shine on it. And we will put it under the blood of Jesus. In your name, amen. Pray as the elements are being passed out. And let's have a time of repentance as Steve leads us. Thank you, Lord.